0: Kia and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 21st of September 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson down in Christchurch. Calvin, how are you, mate? Did you get that nice, quiet weekend in you were hoping for over the weekend? I certainly did, yes. It was very good. Mowed the lawn, sprayed some weeds, and that, that
1: was uh, about as exciting as it got, so i um yeah, nice, uh, nice uh, relaxation after the previous weekend of um, too much eating too much drinking and too little sleep. So I'm very happy and uh, feel nice and nice and fresh this morning. So, going good.
0: How about you? Awesome, mate. The good reset weekend, eh? Yeah, it was good here. Pretty decent weather. We ended up getting you know walking down to the zoo, so that was good. You know, to get out and about and and enjoy that, and then had my uh, my football on Saturday night. And um, we happened to storm to a nine-four win, so defence was pretty optional in that game. Um, but more, more importantly, I finally got my goal for the season. So you know, usually I at least score at least one, often a couple of goals each season. And I have struggled this year. Have played fewer games, but this year, um, you know, has taken a while, and finally got my goal on on Saturday. So that was that was a happy man then. And then otherwise, yeah, may just watch a little bit of sport. Obviously, um, you know, I think that one of the best, you know. Competitions as the NPC for the rugby, obviously. Um, Ranfurly Shield, seeing that you know those big games as well. Obviously, not so good a news for you. I know you're not a major Canterbury supporter, but um, you know must hurt a little bit to see the Taranaki roll down and take away that that shield. And good to see the All Blacks playing in these games too. So that's been you know that's a great competition. Obviously, love my Taniwha, um, though it didn't go so good on Friday night. But playing against the champs, Tasman, wasn't too surprised with that. Um, but I think they'll be alright as well So that's you know that's, that's where the sport mind is, is going at the moment And uh, we'll certainly look to see Where those Shield challenges are going to fall out um, Over the next couple of weeks I don't think the Taniwha are likely to get one Unless Taranaki hold on to it for a few weeks um, But yeah Although I think actually we play Taranaki at home So that's not going to happen So we'll need them to lose for us to get a chance But anyway
1: Nice one, yeah Congrats on the goal That's, uh, that's awesome And um, yeah as for the rugby Yeah I mean it, I support Canterbury but it's mostly I just want to see entertaining rugby you know? and know and, and the game was um, the game was definitely entertaining so, so that was awesome and yeah the Barretts uh, looks like they might do a sort of cameo hit and run scenario win the shield and then never play again so um, yeah well done well done for that and um, yeah as I say entertaining rugby and, and certainly did that so pretty happy.
0: I think that's what that competition throws up. You know, the NPC, it does throw up, you know, quite attacking, really good games. Obviously, Telenaki going out to a big lead, Canterbury coming back, taking the lead near the end. You kind of think that's it. And then Geordie steps up with a big penalty. So, yeah, I just think that, that, that this competition lends itself to those great games, which is, um, which is why it's so enjoyable. But, yeah, absolutely. And then... Um, yeah well, we'll get into it, mate. i obviously it's my wife Karina's birthday today. So just sort of jumping in and out of work for a little bit before trying to help out a bit more around the house. So let's kick into things for the week and, um, and I can I can head off. But um so first up, mate, look, last week's data biggest coverage I suppose was obviously for the GDP data for Q two. Big figure down, of course, not surprisingly. What's your what's your sort of take on that? What was it down twelve percent for the quarter? Yeah, twelve percent
1: fall. So it's was the, easily the biggest fall. Ever, uh, no, no surprise. I mean, nobody was expecting anything different. So, um, you know, it's 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 interesting for the fact it was so big, but um, no, no one was expecting really any different. And driven by what you'd expect, you know, hospitality made a, a pretty big contribution to that. For transport, construction, you know, the, the usual suspects, you might say. But yeah, it's it was Q two. So it's we know that it's sort of only really of historical interest. We've moved on quite a bit since then. So. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's, it was intriguing and, and shocking, whichever word you want to use, but I think we probably need to move on. And um, the the New Zealand Activity Index, for example, the new stat that Stats New Zealand and Treasury put out has already shown that things have bounced back you know, pretty steadily in, in, uh, in July. Um, so that, that figure was showing a 2% year-on-year rise in July. So we've already seen that the activity has bounced back after the end of Q2, um, we're expecting August's number for that NZAC this Friday. Um, interesting to see what that will say. You know, It may not be, or who knows, it may not be quite as strong as the previous month's 2% because, of course, we went back up the alert levels in August. But, um, yeah, it could still be above zero. Um, and so we just further sort of entrenched that, that recovery that we've seen in, in the third quarter. So, yeah, the GDP, for, I mean, people will look back on that GDP number and sort of just amazement, twelve percent down in a quarter, but yeah, it's we've we've moved on and and things have bounced
0: back. So I think that's that's the key message. Yeah, I mean bang on, right? Like obviously April is part of Q two, and we were in lockdown level four for almost all of April, and so of course you know we knew that impact that was going to have. And as you say, the New Zealand Activity Index is the key the key marker here. We already had that data for April, May, and June monthly figures, and so we've been tracking that downturn. And and the best that's the best thing about you know, the introduction of the New Zealand Activity Index is we know it correlates very closely to GDP. That's the reason that these organisations, Treasury, Stats New Zealand, you know, brought this this measure out so that you get a much better read on economic activity sooner. And so you understand how what the impact of each of these things is much earlier than you would while you're waiting for GDP. I mean, we're, in, we're almost at the end of Q3 and we're only getting Q2's figures for GDP. So that's the key thing to look out for, I think. And as you say... Um, you know, we saw the big drop, I think April was down 19% for that single month, but then we saw that bounce back even in May and June, which averages out to you know, closer to that overall GDP figure, and then as you say, you know, further, further growth from uh, July and August, yeah, maybe it's going to sit around that 0% because we know that Auckland was in a slightly higher alert level and economic activity absolutely would have slowed down throughout August. And maybe, you know, my tip, maybe it'll be lower than last year. Um, nationwide because of Auckland not being able to function quite as much. But um, as you say, it's not going to be anywhere near those levels. And so, you know, that bounce back has been very real. And that's what we're most interested in, especially when we're always trying to bring this back to what does it mean if the property market, you know, the economy has bounced back considerably to be at least level with last year. And that's, that's what we're sort of seeing some of that strength throughout the property market as well, aside from other things, which, you know, generally, especially when you consider the property market and its activity tends to be delayed on economic activity. So, if economic activity is back to you know relative normality, especially considering borders are closed, that's going to only see that positivity throw, flow through to the property market, where more people are obviously seeing you know the economy for themselves going okay. So, I think that's the key thing for me. And as you pointed to, this Friday we get the um, NZ activity for August. So that'll be the most interesting thing, really, as we look back historically on Q2 has done, what's happening more recently, um, and especially given the Auckland levels uh, throughout that period as well. So, yeah, I think that's the key thing for me. As we've talked about before as well, you touched on the the flow
1: through for... Uh, the economy through of the property market. And I suppose perversely, um, this, you know, this whole COVID episode and everything, as we talked about before, has I mean what's part of it has been for interest rates to be slashed. And so, you know, on one hand you might say, well, recession and everything's bad for the property market, but on the other hand, interest rates are obviously collapsed and, and that just seems to be the thing that's driving everything at the moment. You know, low mortgage rates just seem to be um, you know just just stimulating everything in the property market so yep there's always uh there's always pros and cons and and um you know on one hand on the other and it seems like perversely yeah that, that, that those low rates coming through from from the recession have um you know boosted the property market and that's that's what we're seeing
0: so um yeah always two sides yeah, I agree. And I think that's been a pretty strong theme in the last couple of weeks of most of our commentary in the market, whether it's been, you know, talking to media, doing our own video, the writing that you've been doing. It really is the strongest factor right now seems to be low interest rates. And that's actually been widely accepted by the Reserve Bank. They know that's what, you know, all their um, stimulatory effects are having is driving down interest rates, which is boosting asset prices. What's the key asset in our country is housing prices. So that's, that's clearly one of those factors. So yeah, no doubt about that. Look, the other key thing um, out in the last week was of interest to us, I think, and we'll talk a little bit more about how this works and what it's about, is the pre-election economic and fiscal update, or the pre-foo, as it's called. And really this is, maybe we can talk a bit more detail about this, but it's uh, essentially the government opening up their books and... Um, in advance of the election coming up and then obviously the other parties get access to understand what is the forecast what is the current situation in terms of debt levels for the government so they can start proposing what their budget might look like for the next three or more years um, as we lead into the election people understand how they might look to stimulate the economy or recover from downturns or whatever it might be that's happening at the time and um, I mean, that's a bit of a a very high-level overview. Do you have any sort of more info as to why this is important and what you're looking for in this update, and and especially, again, as we move through the end of it, what it means for property and and why we analyse this this release? Yeah, I think in terms of... Uh, what it does, so you,
1: you cover that pretty well. The finishing point for the current government, or and or the starting point for the next government, and sort of sets out of the books. You know how much debt they're going to have. Um, you know what what they might need to do in terms of or how the economy might go, and so policies they might want to put in place. All these things. So it kind of just sets the scene. And um, in terms of the latest one, I guess the theme for me was good and bad uh, you know there was there was mixed messages really and you know some things uh, might have turned out a bit better than what we were expecting some things a little bit worse and at, at least in terms of the property market implications i think what most people would probably look at is that unemployment rate and as i say there was good and bad so on one hand the treasury is now projecting the peak unemployment rate to only, only be 8% whereas previously they were saying 10% so you might look at that and say great you know, that's, that's better for the property market than it might have been. But they've also pushed back the timing for that peak. So we don't actually get to that peak 8% unemployment rate on the Treasury projections for another couple of years. So it's almost this, and then it's slower to come back down again. So um, almost on their current projections, um, yep, the peak's lower, but we are higher for longer. And, you know, what's better for the property market? I mean, who knows? But um, higher for longer isn't necessarily a good thing either. Even though that peak comes lower than what was previously projected, and you know the, the issue with higher for longer, I guess, is that um, you know you almost introduce this sort of structural unemployment, and people uh, you know unemployed for a longer period of time, and maybe their skills are deteriorating, and they find it harder to get back into the labour market. So. I'm not sure which is better or worse, but um, it, is, it is another example of not just taking things at face value um, and saying, well, yeah, 8% unemployment rate is better than 10%, but it might just take us longer to get there. So, yeah, I think in terms of the, the property market effects, not clear because we're talking about very long horizons as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly one to take note of. And, and certainly, either way, the unemployment rate is still set to rise. So I think that's probably the, the key thing.
0: That and it will be a sort of headwind uh, for the property market in the next year or two. Yeah, no, that's really interesting and a really good pick-up in terms of, you know, what what is the most important for, for us in the housing market and trying to analyse that. Um, you know, and I think this, the fact is also there's so many unknowns, you know, that probably also, maybe that lower, higher for longer also reflects the global uncertainty, right? So the longer things go on globally the more that might impact all the people in our country that are reliant on exporting. And also, how long is it going to be until we can open up our borders, which can then mean that we get more people coming to our country to work here as well. And there's so many of those factors to take into account that are going to influence unemployment, both up and down, And how well businesses do as well, which you know can either force them further into property or maybe away from property as well if they don't have the cash flow to be able to release into into investing in property as well. So there are many, many factors, um, but also I think it's just worthwhile touching on. This is how you. This is why we see the release of. You know, national was the opposition party's budget as well. You know, and this is why we start hearing about potential tax cuts and you know the four billion dollar gap, which obviously is not a great, great thing from the opposition's perspective. Um, and that's why the coverage has increased so much as well. So, yeah, I think that's it's worthwhile taking note that that's why we're seeing all this stuff happening at the moment. But then again, yeah, for property market, how's it going to flow through to our economy, employment? all these things, um, and then what's the likelihood of, you know, the change in government as well, which might come off the back of this, but, um, you know, maybe not so much this time around because it is still looking like, you know, the polling's quite strong towards Labour. And then finally on this one, the the uh, nice little win for us was, of course, you know, being a reference in a big government document like this, um, seeing the tracking of CoreLogic data, our house price index, quarterly house price index data, and then using that for their forecasts. Um, for warehouse prices are likely to go to as well, and no, they did have a forecast. of still a little bit of a dip in, in nationwide vo- volume value, sorry, um, before increasing again into the end of next year as well. So worthwhile noting that, of course, um, but good, good, good little key win for for Logic on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and so yeah, I mean, absolutely stoked to get our our data in there as the reference, and I think probably the theme, maybe if if we're thinking about a theme for the next six or twelve months, it, it might be that sort of balance between the effect of a higher unemployment rate which treasury is projecting on the property market versus what we've already talked about in terms of super low mortgage rates and how those things kind of counter each other and and this idea that maybe the the rise in unemployment will affect uh you know younger people maybe in in lower paid sectors who might not have been buying property anyway and so you know maybe the effects on the property market would be smaller and at the same time you've got super low mortgage rates so i think yeah, you know, the pre-free kind of highlighted that issue of of higher unemployment, and then we look at that in terms of low mortgage rates, sort of offsetting, and, and how they come the to balance could be
0: could be a pretty important theme for the next sort of six to twelve months. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, it's never never quite as straightforward as you'd like, is it? But um, that's what keeps us the job, I guess, is analysing all the the little um you know little things up and down and, and everything that impacts it. So yeah, certainly keeps us going. Um. Cool man, oh, well let's move on from that And I think the other major data was, was one of our own Obviously having our buyer classification update for the August month um, You know, this is where we obviously you know classify every single purchase Whether it's a first home buyer or investor or a mover Pretty much consistent with the last couple of months really, isn't it? Where those first home buyers continue to be relatively strong Along with those investors, especially those going to the bank So did you, you wrote um, last week's Pulse based on this data What were your sort of key outtakes for that?
1: Yeah, pretty much the same. The uh, existing owner occupiers are uh, kind of sitting tight, you know, not not that active in terms of moving around. Um, first home buyers still keen to buy, still still targeting the property market, and investors definitely still getting in. And so, um, yeah, those those three themes were also present over the last well, going back more than a few months now. They've they've been there a while. And so, I mean, in terms of that investor one, it's 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 not hard to find reasons why they're keen to get in, as we've talked about, interest rates super low. Um, not only for borrowing, but also depositing. You know, sw- that money switching out of turn deposits and into the property market still seems well pretty strong and logical. Um, so that that seems to stack up, and and also of course the LVRs being removed. You know, people who previously were locked out by requiring that thirty percent can probably now get in with with twenty percent. So all these things are, are drivers for it. I think there's an interesting thing for me around listings coming out of all this, which is. Um, You know, you think investors aren't necessarily selling anything to to buy in. Um, First-time buyers aren't selling anything to buy in. And um, those movers are are not sort of freeing up their own properties because they're sitting tight. They're not, um, they're fearing getting that next property and they're not freeing up their property. So all these things are, I'd be reluctant to call it a sort of structural freeze on listings, but there are some factors going on, these cyclical things that mean you know the outlook for listings is, is probably still pretty tight because these people who are buying aren't aren't necessarily freeing up anything and so we might be we might be needing this new pipeline of, of new construction to sort of allow some liquidity in the market and some transactions to take place so yeah i think that's another interesting thing to and, and as we've talked about before of course um, the listing situation it's, it's tight and, and we've covered that many times but yeah i think the buyer classification numbers just Sort of add another element to that and something you've got to keep
0: keep watching. Yeah, I agree. And I think that I've been thinking a little bit more about this recently, and just if we are in quite a different, you know, phase that's not that's changed quite considerably over a long period of time now, where we know home ownership's dropped away, which means there's more investment owned properties, many of those people and probably most of those people own for long-term, own for retirement, own for getting that passive income, those people aren't listing their properties. You know, as long as they are getting good rent and the yield's okay at the moment in terms of the cost to them, then they're not going to look to sell. So I think the structural you know, nature of our, of our housing market has changed considerably over the years because we have a higher percentage of properties owned by investors. And that's not necessarily going to change anytime soon, because the appeal is, we talk a lot, about a lot, the property market still remains. And anyone looking to get what they call financial freedom and you know, have this passive income going into retirement, then a property is seen as such a, a strong way of doing that. And there's more and more people that, can do that now more and more people being convinced or being you know educated about how you can own your own investment property and and the benefits of that um, because it is quite strong and does make me think that you know that's only going to continue unless there's a major change from you know, from a central point of the the market, it's going to fundamentally shift the attractiveness of property compared to other investments, um, and I think that's something that's been borne out now by the fact that yeah, we're just not seeing those listings come to market. So, yeah, look, I do think it's a it's a long term thing, and there's no real you know shift shift on the horizon coming, um, but yeah, I mean, interesting nonetheless, um, and just in terms of wrapping up activity, probably worth touching on, you know. The, the Reserve Bank data comes out this week in terms of mortgage lending. So, obviously, you know, within that, they split that by buyer type as well. So, you know, the good thing I suppose is that with our data coming out a little bit sooner, we get a bit of preemptive feel feel for what that data is looking like. So, we're expecting to see those August August lending figures reported by the Reserve Bank to be pretty strong, um, knowing sales were pretty strong, and again, expecting a lift from both first home buyers and investors. Is that is that fair to say, mate?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Those numbers are out um, on Thursday. I have just check my calendar quickly. I think it's Thursday at three o'clock. So, um, yeah, they uh, like you say, I'd expect both of those key groups to have, to continue buying. Based and we know, as you say, that activity on that mortgage lending is probably likely to be pretty high because we've seen every other indicator for the market in August stay pretty high. So, yeah, likely to have been another busy one for the banks. Um, and and. Who knows, probably September going the same way too with, with those low mortgage rates. So um, yeah, look out for those later in the week. Yeah,
0: yeah, cool. Thanks, mate. And then the other big release this week will, of course, be Reserve Bank releasing or well, you know effectively reviewing the official cash rate. Um, you know, what, we do talk about this obviously pretty frequently. It's a six-weekly thing. We really just tend to focus on the wording. We're not expecting any changes. What, is, that, is that where your head's at?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. The uh, the OCR is probably going to start at 0.25 and the QE program at 100 billion out, or a maximum of 100 billion out to June 2022. So those things are the same as they have been. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about their wording and and you know, are there any subtle little hints in there of, of any think ch- change in thinking around uh, negative interest rates and also the the funding for lending program that they've been talking about. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably already been pretty clearly signalled. So, uh, you know, whether the wording, if if anything, would probably only make that more clear. I think rather than going back the other way. So, yeah, be looking out for that. Is you know about whether that's become even more likely for early next year. Um, But yeah, it's it's a case of uh, you know sprucing up your English and. Sort of trying to read between the lines on on words they have used and sometimes what they haven't used. So um, yeah, that's what the uh, that's what the um, the watchers of these things are, are pouring over each month. And, and
0: you know, I'll go down that road too, I guess. Good man, good man. That one of us does. <laughs> you economists seem to love that. <laughs> go second-guessing guessing. Uh, I'll take it on. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, mate. Well, um. I don't think there's too much else to cover today. Um, I do want to mention the fact that we recorded our monthly video last week and a lot of the things we've spoken about today will obviously feature throughout that video and then it has the nice visuals along with a few charts and things as well. So we'll post that link once that's up and it should be up later today. Um, otherwise, mate, is there anything else you wanted to, to cover today before we close out?
1: No, right, that's it from me. Just, uh, yeah, looking forward to another week of uh, analysing the fast move
0: Awesome, thanks, Martha. I'm having a few connection problems, so it's probably nice that we're just going to end it there. We'll see how this record turns out. Um, but but do forgive us, forgive us with any little periods of, of weird connection time. Um, otherwise, I'll leave it there. Calvin, thanks as always for your insight. Always really interesting. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe, rate, and review us. Um, help us out with those numbers. And get in touch with us too. We're available on Twitter, LinkedIn, email. All those details are sitting within the podcast player there. Otherwise, my name's Nick. This is Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Mátiwá.